I'm just going to do this one chorus before Pastor comes back tonight. Let's sing the heart of worship. Can we do that? Can we change that up real quick? I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. Let's focus on him tonight for a moment. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things When it's all about you. It's all about you. Sing it again. I'm coming back tonight. I'm coming back to you. We love you, Jesus. And it's all about It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for being out there. It's all about you, Jesus. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply Come on, you know it. Sing it out to Jesus. Longing just to breathe. Longing just to breathe. Never bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in is not what you Search much deeper, you search much deeper within. Through the way things are been, you're looking into my heart. Can we sing the chorus again tonight? I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you. Coming back Jesus. to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made when it's all about you. Just lift our hands tonight just for a moment and just worship the Lord. Just honor Him. Father, it's all about you, Jesus. God, we open our hearts to you tonight, Lord. We honor you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Yes, I surrender all.
we sing that again to Jesus tonight. Everyone lift your voice. Say I. You know he's a good God tonight. Can we put our hands together for the Lord one more time and give him a praise? Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Thank you. Wonderful worship, don't you think? Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and enjoy the worship that God brings us. It's amazing. Uh, the uh, worship seemed to take us to a place of, of consecration surrendering uh, to God, being available to Him. Our life certainly should be fluid, that is, ready whenever God speaks to us. The message uh, tonight is entitled, Reap the Consequences. Now, immediately when you say that, you might think um, that, well, consequences mean something bad. You see, I wonder what life would be like, you see, well, if we just had no consequence, good or bad. What do you think that would be like? No consequences. You do some good, no consequences. No praise, no nothing. Do something bad, no penalty, no out. No go to your room, no consequences whatsoever. Be the free will of man. And I can tell you that is where we are headed in a culture today that gets farther and farther and farther away from God. When the conscience is seared, when a man's conscience, when a nation's conscience is seared, and you become hard in your heart, you fear no consequences, none as it relates adversely. We know that Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. The Bible said in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we mentioned that this morning, and the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Consequence, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. All right, it's all there. It's beautiful. As long as you don't cross that line, and if you cross that line, here are the consequences. You are going to die. We all know the result of that found in Genesis, the third chapter. The Word of God is that wisdom of God that is explained for all of us to understand. As we obey God, the consequences are positive in our life. We have favor. We have blessing. We have the love. We have the anointing. We have the protection. We have the guidance. We have all the promises are fulfilled in us. But if, in fact, we disobey God, the consequences are negative. It says there that you'll surely die and oftentimes, death does not come automatically or necessarily immediately. It comes over a period of time. 
No person ever steps away from God and does it in one fell swoop under routine circumstances. People find themselves distancing themselves from God. And let me tell you, from the church, remember you cannot separate God from the church. We know that Jesus, the church, is his bride. You separate yourself from the church, I promise you, you are separating yourself from God's perfect will. And you continue to take steps back. And very subtly, the enemy will hook you to the degree that you will not get closer to God. You'll get farther away from God. And then let me say this. You can withdraw from God and be in the middle of ministry. You can sit in the church every single Sunday. You can be engaged in some full-time ministry or something of that nature. And here's a good way to show it. If the love, not just that love that is lukewarm, but if your love is passionate and in your heart you do not have any ought against your brother and in your heart you are grateful every single day for the privilege that God has given you to be a part of the family of God and you're not bitter, I'm telling you, friend, you can rejoice. But if it's the other way, do not let engagement in ministry, engagement in church, my friend, do not let that get in the way of your love relationship with Jesus. For ministry does not take the place of a love relationship of the Lord. Y'all with me out there? So I want to talk about that for a moment. First Chronicles, the 10th chapter, verse 13. This is what it said. Saul, who was the man, he was the first king of all Israel. He, uh, he died because he was, he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. How is it that you take this guy that God looks at and appointed the, the great leader, the prophet, to identify and to anoint of the priest, to identify Saul and set him apart and give him the opportunity of a lifetime? But in the midst of that service, in the midst of serving people, in the midst of being blessed, in the midst of favor, in the midst of all of those things, his life began to recede and his spirit man began to die. And before you know it, he became unfaithful to the Lord. Unfaithful in what regard? Unfaithful in being available, get this now, of being available to do the will of God. Get it now, unfaithful to be available to do the will of God. We know the text, as it relates, obedience is better than a barbecue sandwich. No, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you believe that, amen. Deuteronomy 1, 32, in spite of this, Moses is speaking, God is speaking, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. Saul, you died because you were unfaithful. You did not pay attention to God in a timely matter. You withdrew away. Now, you people, friend, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord. Well, let's cut them some slack. This is a group of people. They've been in the desert. They've wondered. We know that they are tired. They are tired of waiting on the promise. This generation has heard about the promise their whole life. This generation has small children that are with them. They understand the promise, the promised land, the promised land, the promised land. Lead us, lead us, lead us. Moses, I'm leading you, I'm leading you. They've come through bondage out of the wilderness, 
God has supplied manna for them, supplied water for them, and done it in a miraculous way. And they have, they have the, the word of Jehovah. You have the promise. And so do we, all the benefits of God. Everything that we can be as close to God as you and I desire to be. We can have more of God than we've ever had. We can be as passionate about God. Nothing should get in the way of our saying, hey, my life and experience in Jesus Christ is hot on fire. And if it's not, say, God, what's up with that? Being faithful to God in your life. So we see, once again, we find Deuteronomy 1, verse number 8, and we're getting ready for a setup here because it's important that God reminds these people that are as numerous as the stars in the heaven by now. He said, see, I've given you this land. Now notice carefully, go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, and he names them Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their descendants after them. That's their promise. That's their goal. It is clear as a bell. That is the word of God. You have it. Whatsoever you ask in my name, believe it, and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Trust and obey, and God will reward. God will give you all of those things in your life and in your spirit. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. All of those things are there. But you know what? We cut them a little slack. There are very few promises, but what it comes with, with just for free. Very few promises. To have a promise, you say, all right, a promise, you got to have an act of obedience. You want that promise, you want that favor, you want, you got to be obedient. You just have to be obedient. You cannot be rebellious and expect to receive the promise. No human being in their right mind is say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you favor, I'm going to give you blessing, I'm going to give you anointing, I'm going to give you all the desires of your heart. But listen, and you don't have to be obedient, you can be as a rebellious devil as you want to be, and it's still yours. No person in their right mind, my friend, is going to make that deal. There is some sacrifice. In acts of obedience and promises that come to pass, there's often a sacrifice. If you get a gift and it's free to you, I promise you it was not free to those before you. Somebody paid the price. There is some risk. Risk is another word you can say for faith. You say, I don't see it. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And God said, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff out there if you're willing to take a step of faith. Ah, oh, but we like that cocoon. We like that comfort zone. And the church moves into a comfort let me Let me suggest something to you, my friend, that really, really is dangerous to the church today. Churches are moving in favor of what feels good to the flock. And I want to be careful because I want us to understand that. The church was never created to make it where it feels good to the flock. The church was created for the word of God to be declared, to be preached, and say this is the way, walk ye in it, to demonstrate love, to disciple, to evangelize, and say everybody, let's get on board. Why? Because there is a great master. His name is Jehovah God. He's a preparing a place for us in heaven. Now get busy and get to work, and let's live right, live straight, and do the right thing. Amen? You with me? Hopefully you're with me out there. So if you don't do that, nobody's going to show up. Well, we don't, we don't want that. Here's what we want. 
We want people who say, hey, I want to serve God out of the love of my heart, and I want you to know it does not matter to me what it takes. I'm going to get the job done for Jesus. You're going to run into opposition and promises. Not everybody's going to be happy that you got the favor. Here's another thing. The land that God was giving them, that was the promised land. We all know, we know this story. Land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey and fertile land for crops, well watered. I mean, it's not like I used to get when I first started ministry with some of the women, the, the few women that were there had a grocery shower for us. I mean, we're a young couple and one child. I've never seen so many rusty cans in my life. The grocery shower had to do with cans that they went through the cupboard and said, oh, we don't want that. We don't want that. That was before he actually had dates on it that said it was still good or not so good. So we give you that and give you that and give you that and give you that. I mean, I think we got a chicken one time that had his neck backwards. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Things that you got. Challenges that are there. But you know what? It didn't matter to us. It didn't matter to us. You know what we felt? We felt we got an opportunity. 28 years ago, I felt that way. What a privilege, way over my head, but what an opportunity, God, for you to do great and mighty things. And God has done great and mighty things through the ministry here at Victory Church. The promised land had some challenges, some challenges. And here it is. It was inhabited by the Amorites. They were giants and they were warriors. Here's what Deuteronomy 121 says and 22. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. How many caught that? The Lord your God has given you the land. Everybody got that? Everybody good? Go up and take possession of it as the Lord your God or the, as the Lord, the God of your fathers told you. Everybody got that? I'm good. Everybody got it? I, I can't see you, but I can hear you. Now, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. Now, that's the problem. Do you think that God is going to say, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you a privilege and it's all there. I've been waiting all these years. Do you think that you're going to need to say? Oh, we we kind of like to need to go in there and check it out. We, we need to find out which way to go. And therein, that walk of faith that we have, because we walk by faith and not by sight, I, I brought this as a, it was given to me as a token. But it's kind of like, God, I, I want all you have, and I... I believe it's not by sight, but God, but uh, it, it's by faith I'm going to walk that way. So if you don't mind, since I don't totally understand, give me a little cane here. Give me a little self-support. Let me, let me go in there and, and check it out. We can look at it, and, and then maybe, that, uh, maybe we'll come back with a good report, and it, we, we will prove that what you're saying is true. Listen to me, friend. You don't need to prove what God's Word said is true. His Word says it. You can just absolutely count on it. What should 
have happened was this. We don't need any spies. We don't need to go check it out. We heard you tell us, go in there and overtake the land. Don't be discouraged. And what we're about to do is get everything that we have, and we are headed into the land. Amen? But in our life, we cannot point a finger at them because in reality, that's probably what the church today would say. You see, it's hard to just function on pure faith. So what did Moses say? Well, we got 12 spies and they brought back fruit. God already knew that. They declared the land to be good, but 10 spies stated, but the giants are too massive. We cannot take the land. Moses' response was, you did not trust the Lord. So the question, what is it maybe right now you're not trusting God with? What is it right now in your family, in your life, and in your business? that you got a little tool that nurtures you along? What is it right now that in your life that your heart is so fluid with being obedient to God that nothing is there, no bitterness, no anxiety, no story to tell, nothing but God, I will obey you. What is it that you're engaged in now that mixes the, the white with the black, that, that marginalizes the purity of your own spirit? What is that? The devil will always catch you in a weak moment when you compromise your spiritual purpose and core value, and you will lose every single time. You cannot, you cannot, and expect God to give you the favor, and many of us have a lot of reason that we need favor. We cannot expect God's best favor if we walk in on both sides of the fence. We have to be pure, we have to be committed, we have to say, God, every part of my life, I'm doing my best to serve you. Moses reminded them all that God had done for them. He said, you've been delivered from Egypt, delivered, destroyed Pharaoh, led by fire, led by cloud, parted the Red Sea, and God said, I'm, I'm with you, that land is yours. Obedience with God is man's opportunity. Pure obedience. Instant obedience. God's word fulfilling his promise, always timely, always with a consequence of good advice, always well planned. These people were great at religious sacrifices and ritual, but God demanded obedience, and they let what they saw with the natural eye direct them instead of following God in faith. I often hear people say, I could really live for God if I could just get rid of this situation, if I could just get rid of this habit, if I could just get rid of this. You can't because you won't. You know what God is saying? After all I've done for you, why do you need to even take a second breath? to do anything other than say, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I surrender it all 
to you, Lord. Joshua 1.8, he challenges the people because he knows them in his day. He said, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what's everything that's within it. Then you'll be able to prosper and be successful. Act of obedience of doing what you already know. Here's the second thing. You have to decide with the right motive. Come on now, help me out. How many of you have ever done something, but you didn't have the right motive when you did it? It's all right to raise your hand. I'll raise two. I'm doing it. You know why I'm doing it? I'm doing it. I don't like having to do it, but I'm doing it because it'll bring peace. It may. But he decided with the right motive. And here's what he said in Deuteronomy 141. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. Because here was the word of God. You go in there and you take the land. You take it. They said, well, let's send some spies. Spies came out and said, hey, you know, it's all good. Ten of them said, looks really good out there, but there are giants there. That does not, what you see, how you feel, does not negate what God has told you. It doesn't negate that. If God said, go in there, be of good courage, don't be discouraged, it says, it says we have sinned against the Lord. This is what they said in Deuteronomy 1. We will go up and fight. You can add the word now, as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on his weapons thinking it's easy to go up to the, to the hill country. And when the people refuse to move with God, take advantage of the opportunity and be absolutely obedient to God's command, several consequences took place. That will always be true. I told those who had babies dedicated earlier in the ready room, I said, you know what? You're making a commitment for you to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. This is more about you than these kids. You're saying to God, God, we thank you for the gift that you've given us. But I said, if you're a parent, a mom, or a dad, and you pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, you're going to have a kid that's going to come up and say, we need to pray, pray, pray. But on the other hand, if you lose, as a parent, you lose your temper and you curse, 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 don't be surprised when your kid loses its temper and curse, curse, curse. Because that's the way that it is. And your obedience to God, though right now in your heart of hearts, you say, God, I love you, Lord. But not absolutely and total, totally obedience. Here's what will happen. Something down the road will come your way that will break your heart and you will go back to the moment and said, that's where I knew I should have been more faithful, and I wasn't. I knew I should have went in and took the land. God said, the ten spies who gave you the bad report, here's the consequence. They're going to die. Why? Because you see, the will of God and the purpose of God was so great, there was no gray matter. You guys are either with it or you are dead. And I want everyone to know what it looks like when you're disobedient to the plan of God. Your spies are going to die. And not only that, those of you in this generation of people, 
your little tiny kids, they won't know any better. They're going to be able to make it, but this generation is going to die, and they're not going to see the promise. And Moses, neither are you. What was Moses' mistake? Here's a possibility that I studied. That when they said, take 10 spies and let's go in there, 12 spies, and let's go in there and Moses, you pick them, you're the leader. It just may be that Moses should have put his foot down and said, we don't, see, we don't need to send anybody in there. If God said that land is ours, let's go, boys. But he's a leader. He's tired. He's tired of fighting culture. He's tired of fighting rebellion. And that's what's happening many times in church culture today. Pastors are getting tired and weary. And we see them by the thousands every year getting out of ministry. Because sheep are not wanting to follow wholeheartedly as much as they used to. So what does it take to get somebody to salute and say, oh, yes, now I'm ready to go. Now I'm ready to go. And Moses shared this with the people. When he said this generation there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of you. And you spies, you better load up on prescriptions by the bucket load. You might live a little longer, but you are going to die. And what they said was, wow, we did not realize how important it was. We, we, sh we should have, we, sh we should have, we should have gotten rid of our walking instrument. We should have walked in there because God said, go possess it. Go possess it. But you guys didn't do that, and now you're going to die. They said, oh, we've sinned. We will fight now. We will obey God. What's wrong with this picture? It suggests that man would have the ability to control and it adversely affect the sovereign will of God. If something is under your skin and in your crawl, I'm going to Google that one day to find out exactly what it means. But if something is under your skin and in your crawl and you're a professing follower of Jesus Christ, I'm asking you right here and right now, get rid of it, put it on the altar, and get your heart and your mind and your spirit clean and pure and thank God that God has given you the privilege to be called his child. And walk by faith. Walk by faith. So we know it suggested also that we can rightfully take advantage of God's will by saying, well, I'll go when I get ready. My dad, God bless his heart, he didn't do the strike one, strike two, strike three. Any of you had a parent like that? You knew. He said, I want you to go over there and do it. You had two options, do it or die. 
Somebody said, well, that just was bad for a father to be that way. Can you imagine what I'd be like if he hadn't have done that? So I'm sitting there, and our kids, you know, we tell you to do it. And our kids didn't have the privilege of stomping their feet and saying, I'm not going to do it, maybe once in a lifetime. Here are the consequences. But I saw a kid the other day, mom saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't eat that, don't eat that, don't eat that. And that kid had a, I don't know, let's say a little Debbie cake up. Don't eat that, don't you bite that, you had enough, don't you do it. And I'm telling you, that child looked at that mom and took it and smiled and just went and threw it in the garbage and ran. Oh, my Lord, I was up, it wasn't even my kid, I, I was up. I'm saying, Lord, have mercy. Spirit of Medea. Well, er. <laughs> and was I ever pleased when that mother took off after that young and, and said, let's go to your room. And where there was agony on end. Somebody said, discipline, you let the kid get away with that? What pattern of behavior are you going to get? Disobedience. God had no option but to say, you spies are going to die. He had no option but to say, this generation is going to die. And he had no option to say when they said, well, listen, we'll go now because it's convenient for us. No, you're not. You're not going to do it. What happened to grace? There was plenty of grace. But you see, listen carefully. In heaven, there is no sin. If you go to heaven, you're not going to be half-hearted going to heaven. And you're not going to carry a bucket load of sin in your crawl. You're going to be clean and pure and white and holy when you go to heaven because there are no blemishes in heaven. Those that are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ are the ones that's going to go there, not a person with a rebellious spirit kicking and screaming all the way. But we'll go now. No, you won't go. If you do, you're going to be in trouble They were deciding to be obedient to God as a result of adverse consequences. And isn't that the way that often we are? God, I didn't really want to do that, but now that I know you really meant business. And God, now that I understand, really, I didn't understand it, but I got it now. Why why is it that we can't, as followers of Jesus Christ, this generation of people had known Jehovah the whole time? Why couldn't they just say, sure, we'll do that? Deuteronomy 5.29, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments always so that it might go well with them, get this now, and their children forever. Mom and dad, if you're not living right and you know you're not living right, mom and dad, if you know what you should be doing as it relates to God and his church and you're not doing it, Listen carefully. You might get by. But your children 
coming up in their life having children will reflect the disobedience of your own heart. Is that what you want? Is that really a value for you to get what you need now in order for your children to say, may it be well? May it be well? I'm not talking perfection. I'm not talking perfection. What I'm talking about is this, that we're obedient to follow the Lord out of a heart that is pure. How often do we respond to God because we're afraid of the consequences? That's not much love that's there. 1 Chronicles 28, 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with a wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord, what does the Lord do? He searches searches every heart and understands every motive behind all the thoughts. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever forever. God will not compete with anyone or anything in your life. And God may give you, and you're walking on both sides of the fence, he may give you all the things you think that you need and you enjoy and bring pleasure to you. But it won't be pure. And there'll be a consequence that you may not see right at the moment or 10 years from now. But it will come. Well, you preached this morning that Jesus forgives. That's right. But you take cocaine and you're pregnant with a baby and you take cocaine and just get high on cocaine and that's all the time that baby's going to be born with cocaine in its little body. And I promise you, every medical report that I can read says it doesn't matter how many times you seek forgiveness and how clean the little strain that sin of cocaine will reside in some part of that baby's life. Why take that chance? Why not be liberated and say, Holy Spirit, you check your motives with a pure heart. Why do I follow God? Why do I love him? Why do I serve him? Why do I why attend church? Why do I praise him? Why do I ask him? The answers of all these questions are in tune with the motive. For here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, doing the will of God. Finally, disobedience has its consequences. So, Deuteronomy 1.45, you came back and you wept before the Lord. And notice this, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. I've been in situations more times than not of individuals who did not live right who I talked to over and over and in a situation in which some situation that created a very intense emergency situation grabbed my clothes and scream and scream and scream, do something. Don't let them die. Don't let this be true. Don't let this happen. What do you do, Pastor? I pray, God, if there's any way 
if there's any way. I've had them tell me, I'll do whatever, I'll be faithful. I had one individual stood here in this pulpit in this spot right here when his father died and talked about carrying on the mantle, carrying on the ministry, carrying on the testimony, carrying it on. And after it was all over, I asked him several months later, well, what's happened? You're not in church. He said, I just said what I thought everybody wanted to hear. It was my dad's funeral. Listen, friend, this is as good a Sunday morning message as you're going to get. And I promise you, he said, paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. Why? Because the characteristic of this generation was one of rebellion. That was the characteristic of that generation was rebellion. How do you rebel against somebody feeds you every day that gives you drink? Now they said, we will go. God said, no, you won't. God warned of the consequence. You'll be defeated. You'll be, you'll be beaten like bees on honey. Many will die. Your testimony of defeat will be known all around you. God is saying, no, even though you're ready, don't do it because you're going to, you're going to suffer a great, great, great beating. What was it? They were arrogant. Arrogant means you think you know more than everybody else. Surely you're not more bright than God, more full of wisdom than God. They could not handle the success. They chose not to be led by faith, but rather by fear. And when the test came down, they failed. Go on, boys. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Take over the land. They were not mature enough. They were not mature enough to understand God is exact. He does what he says he's going to do. They did not understand because they were not mature that God's timing is perfect. They were not mature enough to understand that God's purpose is always on the mark and that God's goal was for their faith expansion and his exaltation. But they said, give us a crutch. What did they expect to find? The giants are there. They knew that. They knew the Amorites were giants. They already knew that. Now we have a reason to say we can't go. But God's word is strong and powerful and correct and wise. And may the Holy Spirit speak to you. And those of you that are listening by live feed, may the Holy Spirit speak to you. And may in your heart of hearts ask yourself a question. God, is my heart pure? God, I've been known lately as someone that's rebellious and disgruntled and unhappy and miserable. God, in my heart of hearts, if I compromise to the degree that, that I've kind of set you aside instead of making you number one for fear of what it might cost me, am I being courageous in my walk with faith? Am I being strong? There's seven things God wants opened. 
He wants your hand for benevolence, your eyes for vision, your ears for healing, hearing, your lips for testimony, your windows for prayer, your heart for God's message, and a door for service. You see, God wants all of us. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We cannot get enough of you, Holy Spirit. You are in this house because you are about to do a miracle in someone's life. And maybe if nothing more than the one that's here that you need to speak to and you have spoken to. But the real test is now. God's word is at this moment and this hour at this altar call for someone in this room or someone listening now through our live feed to make a decision. God, absolutely number one, Absolutely, number one, I am about to begin a journey to do everything that I know I should be doing. And I'm saying that it is not about me. And some of you in this room, you've been nursing yourself in pain, nursing anxiety, nursing resentment, harboring feelings. That there's no liberty of happiness and joy and as we said this morning, you can't blame everybody else because God created you to be happy, to be full of joy, to be fulfilled. And whatever it is that you've allowed to come and take you hostage, that needs to be laid on the altar. God can take care of it. He can, and he's here to do it tonight. This is the night that he's chosen. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give everybody a chance to just repeat this prayer right now. Can we do it together? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, have I have sinned. I believe by faith. I, believe by faith. I, am, forgiven. I am forgiven. I give you my heart. I give you my, I give you my, life, I give you my life. And I give you my will. Give you my will. Tonight, Tonight, a change is being made is being in my decision making as it relates to you. Relates Tonight, to you. I will be free. I will, be free. I will honor you, I will honor glorify you, you glorify and give you everything you that everything. you desire of my life. You I my will life. hold nothing back. Hold nothing Whatever back. you say, Whatever you I will say, do it I will do with, it. All my heart. with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. amen. Amen. We're going to sing this song. If you need to, um, some of you need to come in this altar just straight up. The prayer, don't let the enemy compromise what you just prayed. Because listen, it's been so long since you've been in the altar. It's time to settle it right here at the altar. Hallelujah. Let God do something for you. And maybe you have someone that you are so burdened for, they fit the profile of what we talked about. You say, God, you've got to shake them loose. You got to shake them loose. You can stand in for them. As we sing this song, you let God direct you. Would you do that? And you come right now, please.